You're listening to Expanding Horizons, the podcast of the Unitarian Church of South Australia, a home of progressive spirituality and free religious thought and action since 1854. The views expressed in these podcasts are those of the speaker and are not intended to represent the position of the church itself or of the worldwide Unitarian Universalist movement. For more information, visit unitariansa.org.au. talk about guessing the age of another person we're generally talking about the age of the physical body and my friend Aristotle thinks that's all there is but there are plenty of us who think there's more to a human being than that do we have a mental age do we have an emotional age certainly in cases where there's been slower than usual intellectual development doctors will say they have a mental capacity of a four-year-old or something like that And in common speech, people often refer to emotional maturity, which is a concept pretty similar to age. You may have heard a teenager described as mature for her age. People are acknowledging that irrespective of physical age, someone can be emotionally more or less mature. They can be mentally more advanced than one would expect or slower than one would expect for a certain age. Now I'm going to go back to the Christian Bible again to consider a particular saying attributed to Yeshua. And the author, going by the name of Matthew, gives us a quote from Jesus. Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm not going to go into a full analysis of the Christian scripture, who wrote it, how it came about, when it was written for the moment. I just want to make some comments about why this would have been recorded at all. Toward the end of the first century of what we now call the Common Era, there were many writers who sought to record the teachings of this Jewish teacher, though he had lived several generations earlier. One would expect a significant oral history to have developed in the intervening period. If the author known as Matthew had written about this Jewish teacher, that he healed people, he gave teachings like love your neighbour, be peaceful, etc., it wouldn't be surprising at all. Moses had brought down the commandment, love your neighbour as yourself, something like a thousand years earlier, so there was a long tradition for that idea. Of all the things that might be recorded as sayings of Yeshua, surely it would be one of the more surprising things one could imagine to record him saying, you must become as little children. You might think that such an instruction is so unusual, so striking, that it would not be the sort of thing one would simply make up 60 years later and attribute to a beloved teacher. If one assumes that Yeshua did say such a thing, what on earth would he have meant? Remember he was saying, become as little children to enter the kingdom of heaven. And you might recall when we had a reading from Ramakrishna a couple of weeks back, The essence of it was that people see the divine according to their own ego's relationship to the world. If they are materialistic, they will see the kingdom of heaven as just another earthly jurisdiction. Make your vow of faith, that means you get a passport, and you can get into the next kingdom. 
where it will be like an earthly paradise. If only it was that simple. But Yeshua wasn't talking about a nice place where you could go and have bread and fish for dinner every night. He was talking about a state of grace, a state of enlightenment, the end point of the spiritual journey. So what is it to become like a little child? Let's think about the characteristics of young children. They explore, they are imaginative, they are creative, they can easily come to wonder in amazement at a spectacle or a beautiful display of nature. They are candid. They don't generally inhibit their behaviour as a result of overanalyzing, what we call overthinking it. For children, the truth is simple. What happens to these wonderful qualities? We are soon taught to act our age. And when we reach adolescence, the budding men and women of tomorrow start ridiculing us if we persist in imaginative games and role play. We learn to moderate our language and, for some of us, our volume. Rather than find our own fulfilment and tread our own path, for the sake of acceptance, we start to take on the identity of the dominant group. If they have long hair, we grow long hair. If they wear Levi jeans, we ask our parents to buy us Levi jeans. So what would it mean to become like a little child if one has already gone through that process of building up an adult identity acceptable to the dominant social group around us? It would mean letting go of that identity. It would mean dropping the mask and being authentic to other human beings. Communicating without inhibition from our truest self to others, as a child might see others, without the adornment of status symbols like a professional occupation and a fashionable address. It would mean being present in the moment, with full attention on the environment around us. And so much that is beautiful and good and true would leave us open-mouthed in amazement. We would live and talk simply, without fear of being judged as foolish. It is astonishingly difficult for an adult who has built up the habits of years or decades and a well-rehearsed persona to achieve such a state of simplicity. It doesn't mean forgetting how to manage oneself in the material world completely. It doesn't mean you walk in front of buses. It doesn't mean that we don't do our chores. But it does mean that we can carry out our duties with grace and simplicity. Paying attention to what we're doing with no sense of needing to rush on to the next thing or spoiling our day with the regrets of a lifetime. It doesn't mean we're unaware of the pretentious and judgmental adults around us, but we carry on in our simple way, regardless of their judgment, and we ourselves carry no compulsion to judge others. For it's hard, you will find, to be narrow of mind when you're young at heart. I just want to go back to the book of Matthew for a moment. The writer clearly had other sources available when it was written, such as the book of Mark and numerous letters of Paul. 
There is evidence that the Book of Thomas would have been available as well, although that is debatable. The Book of Thomas is different to Mark, Matthew, Luke and John. It is just a collection of sayings. Indeed, one of the arguments for an earlier date is that the writer felt no need to testify to the life, death or divinity of the teacher. The writer just wanted to record the teachings for the value they had. As I have said before, the later in time that Christian writing appears, the more definite are the claims of divinity for the one we came to know as Jesus. The book of Thomas contains several references to children. Two quotations in particular could be seen as precursors to the advice I read out from the book of Matthew. Saying 22, Jesus saw infants being suckled. He said to his disciples, these infants being suckled are like those who enter the kingdom. And saying 46, Jesus said, Among those born of women, from Adam until John the Baptist, there is no one so superior to John the Baptist that one's eyes should be lowered before the person. Yet I have said, Whichever of you comes to be a child will be acquainted with the kingdom and will become superior to John. Enough mystical talk. To bring us back to earth, I turn to the words of English poet Ted Hughes, who died in 1998. This is from one of his letters. Everybody tries to protect this vulnerable two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight-year-old inside and to acquire skills and aptitudes for dealing with the situations that threaten to overwhelm it. Usually that child is a wretchedly isolated, undeveloped little being. It's been protected by the efficient armour. It's never participated in life. It's never been exposed to living and to managing the person's affairs. It's never been given responsibility for taking the brunt. And it's never properly lived. That's how it is in almost everybody. And that little creature is sitting there behind the armour, peering through the slits. And in its own self, it is still unprotected, incapable, inexperienced. And in fact, that child is the only real thing in them. It's their humanity, their real individuality. The one that can't understand why it was born and that knows it will have to die in no matter how crowded a place, quite on its own. That's the carrier of all the living qualities. It's the centre of all the possible magic and revelation. What doesn't come out of that creature isn't worth having, or it's worth having only as a tool for that creature to use and to turn to account and make meaningful. And so, wherever life takes it by surprise, and suddenly the artificial self of adaptations proves inadequate and fails to ward off the invasion of raw experience, that inner self is thrown into the front line, unprepared, with all its childhood terrors round its ears. And yet, that's the moment it wants. That's where it comes alive, even if only to be overwhelmed and bewildered and hurt. And that's where it calls up its own resources, 
not artificial aids picked up outside, but real inner resources, real biological ability to cope and turn to account and to enjoy. That's the paradox. The only time most people feel alive is when they're suffering, when something overwhelms their ordinary careful armour and the naked child is flung out onto the world. That's why the things that are worst to undergo are best to remember. But when that child gets buried away under their adaptive and protective shells, it becomes one of the walking dead, a monster. So when you realise you've gone a few weeks and haven't felt that awful struggle of your childish self, struggling to lift itself out of its inadequacy and incompetence, you'll know you've gone some weeks without meeting new challenge and without growing, and that you've gone some weeks towards losing touch with yourself. The truth about life is actually simple. There are many technical tasks in the world of great complexity. Writing a software program, carrying out surgery on someone. For these things, great mental prowess is necessary. And sometimes we can spend decades reading books about spirituality and ethics. But in the end, the truth is simple. I hope you've enjoyed this Expanding Horizons podcast. These podcasts are the intellectual property of the presenter. They can be used only with the express permission and appropriate acknowledgement of the presenter. This permission can be obtained by emailing admin at unitariansa.org.au. Please feel free to leave a comment or visit us on Facebook or Twitter by searching SA Unitarians or by visiting our website at unitariansa.org.au and kindness, of presence, of love. That's something even a child can understand.